day, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Let's Talk About It. This is Susan Johnson, and my co-host this evening is our mayor, Tom DeVivo. And we have a wonderful, wonderful guest for you this evening uh, who came to our town on Thursday to celebrate and tell us about World Elder Abuse Awareness Day. And we had a, a very, very good time at our local senior center talking about how people can protect themselves uh, from all these different problems that can arise uh, when people are being uh, scammed or having some type of other elder abuse. So I'm so thrilled we have our uh, Lieutenant Governor Susan Bysowitz with us, and I just want to have Tom say hello. Hello, Sue, and Sue. <laughs> Susan, <laughs> Lieutenant Governor and Rep Representative Johnson. I'm in some with some famous people today. <laughs> well, you're pretty famous yourself, Mayor. Yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> Not to myself. So, but this is an exciting day. We had a great day yesterday talking about uh, elder abuse, uh, which is a real thing. And uh, thank you to Lieutenant Governor for bringing that to light. And, you know, that, it's, that people really need to be aware. Everybody's trying to scam the elderly out of something, you know, for some reason or another. And we need to find ways to protect them, and they need to find ways to protect themselves. Exactly, and, and so I was so very, very impressed with the people that you uh, brought into the press conference, Lieutenant Governor Bysowitz. Uh, tell us about how you made the decision to bring in uh, some of the different departments, like the Department of Aging and Disability Commissioner Amy Porter. Well, first of all, uh, thank you so much uh, for having me on your show, and uh, I was so pleased yesterday to visit the beautiful new Wyndham Senior Center. It is, I think it's probably one of the best-looking uh, senior centers that I've had the pleasure of visiting, and there was an investment of state dollars due to the advocacy of, of Representative Johnson. Thank you, Susan, uh, and also uh, Senator Flexer. So that was, it was, it was worthwhile to be there and see it for myself, just a beautiful facility, and to see uh, several dozen seniors who came out and who came out to learn about the Elder Abuse Awareness Day. It's World Elder Abuse Awareness Day. It's something that we mark on June 15th of every year, and we had been doing uh, this awareness raising at the state capitol, but we had the idea this year to actually take it to senior centers. And I think it's important uh, to let um, our senior community know who the people are who are charged with protecting them from either physical abuse or um, financial abuse, uh, because financial abuse, sadly, is extremely prevalent in our state and around the country, and physical abuse, unfortunately, on occasion happens, uh, whether it's in assisted living uh, facilities, long-term care facilities, and so we wanted people to be aware of what offices that are charged with prevention and protection are. So we heard from our Aging and Disability Services Commissioner, Amy Porter, um, our long-term care ombudsman, Mairead Painter, 
And we also heard from Matt Smith of the Department of Banking and Consumer Affairs who talked about uh, how, you can pro- how you can protect yourself from financial abuse. And uh, Representative Johnson, he also talked about the new bill that was passed in this legislative session. So you might want to say a few words about that. Sure. Thank you for that. And thank you for bringing these people because they really uh, were able to talk to our community of senior citizens who were there at the senior center here in in Wyndham, uh, Willimantic, and they were there to listen to who they can contact. And so being able to have, for example, uh, somebody who you trust to uh, actually be there to even list on some of your financial documents, uh, you know, Certainly the, the uh, people who uh, you set your accounts up with at the bank would be one way to look at it uh, in terms of having them, like you have, a, say, an a individual retirement account at the bank, whoever worked with you with that would be somebody you could list as a contact uh, as an example. Uh, he also mentioned other people who have cl- good, close, trusting relationships with. Uh, you could put family members in that circumstance. But then again, uh, as we discussed, sometimes family members aren't uh, – maybe the best option. So it just depends on what your relationships are like. Uh, and, and I think it, it absolutely, absolutely, and I think it's important also um, because uh, many of the seniors in your area visit that senior center. So the director of the senior center is a really good resource as well. And we also had the AARP Connecticut director, Nora Duncan, who brought some materials with phone numbers and information about how to protect yourself from uh, financial scams. And the AARP has been a huge advocacy group, both at the legislature, but also just uh, as a resource around Connecticut talking about how seniors can uh, protect themselves. Excellent, because I and so thank you so much for mentioning our senior center director Angela Fornia, who also is the, she does uh, social work here in the town of Wyndham, and she works on many different projects. So she's a great contact and someone is very very trustworthy that you can uh, go to. And she's she's really a great asset. She has all the resources and connect connectivity uh, for people who might feel that. Or just be afraid. There's no shame in asking for help. Even if if you think you're being a victim, say something. You don't have to, you know, don't be ashamed. It happens. Can, these are professional scam artists trying to get at your money. And I think that uh, Angela's really good at getting the resources and helping you out. She's an asset to thought, our town. And I thought one really great point uh, that was um, – brought up by a number of uh, our speakers today was that why are elderly or seniors targeted? And it's because they own property, they own their homes, they have retirement funds, they've been working uh, for their entire lives, and they have resources. And uh, I think it's, it's not that seniors have some sort of impairment, it's it's that they're targeted specifically because they are likely to have resources, bank account balances, 
retirement funds, and these scam artists are quite, and fraudsters are very talented at seeking out older people to try to target them. That's an ex- excellent point, Lieutenant Governor Bysowitz, because, you know, they have uh, been working at scamming people for now probably a good 20 years, and they have lots and lots of people who understand how the Internet works, how to get that information, how to get on your email, how to get your phone number, how to get how old you are. These are things that they're getting on the so-called dark web, uh, and they are getting your information, and they try to sound real familiar. Haven't I talked to you before? <laughs> no, you haven't. <laughs> That's right. the kind of stuff and that they do. So I, think, yeah. I think both of you had uh, both uh, you, Mayor, and uh, also uh, you, Rep. Johnson, because you're talking to constituents every day. Both of you had stories of people who or instances where, you know, people were being taken advantage of. So do you want to, I think it's important that you share some examples. Sure. So I had uh, the spoofers uh, that get uh, your doctor's phone number or they get your, I, I had a stupid spoofer. Uh, they, <laughs> they used my uh, phone number to call me and they said, oh, I said, yeah, you're calling, you're calling me with my number. That is about the dumbest spoofer I've seen. Nevertheless, there are many, many smart spoofers out there who will use someone who's got a familiar number, a local number, and they will try and uh, convince you that they know you somehow. And uh, so this is one of the things. And, 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 you know, so many people now are being isolated. Seniors are isolated enough from COVID, but they are being isolated uh, by the fact that they can't, they don't feel comfortable answering the phone anymore. And we saw a big number of hands raised when I said, how many people feel comfortable answering your phone today? No, everybody was uncomfortable uh, answering the phone. And I explained that that happened to my mother and this happened and it really keeps you away from your family because you're not sure whether or not they should answer the phone. And it keeps you away from your friends and your neighbors uh, because these spoofers are there and these people are there trying to take advantage of you and people just give up. They don't, they're paying the bill for the phone company, but they aren't able to use it. The spoofers are using it. You know, that's that's a, right. Right. And that's a great comment, Susan uh, Rep. Johnson. You brought in, because people get texts even. You know, we're, we're, we want to deliver you a package. Yeah, I got Can one yesterday. Can you give us the information, give us, tell you where you live, whatever. And then they would, if you say, well, I live at, you know, uh, whatever, North Street. Well, they'll say, okay, they'll call you back two days later if, you're the resident of North Street now. They know you think you've developed a rapport with them. It's all over text. This package thing, you know, they're not they're not really sending you a package. Some good uh, hints to help you find. You look at the email address that sent it. If it says it's a bunch of numbers and letters, you can. That's a meaningless email address. You know, John six nine fifty five fifty three A B C. That's a fake email address. So. You know, you just kind of got to delete it. If well, that's know. an excellent point, Mayor DeVivo, because you know what you have to do. It, you might look, it might look like it's a name, but if you hit the from button on the top of the email, that's where you get the actual email address. So you got to hit that from button right up there with your, your well, pointer thing. And then you'll see where it's really from. And then you'll see, oh, it's not from AT&T. Oh, it's not from over here that they say they're from because they're not, the email address isn't the right email address for 
that particular organization that they say they're from. Right, and, and you did bring up uh, another thing on your phone when you get those texts, phone calls you don't want. You can you can say because it'll come up. That's law that says to say potential. They're trying to catch them. Potential right. spam. And potential spam means don't answer it. Right. And even if they leave you a voicemail, because sometimes potential spams will leave you a voicemail. And yep. they're like, you know, you can tell. So you should delete it and report. There's on most phones, it's delete and report as junk or whatever. But if you report it, at least there's some sort of record back at your phone provider. Is that where they keep it? So you said phone yes. provider. Yeah. But you yeah. want to report it because it does go into a database. It may seem like a little thing for you, but if there's thousands of them going in every day, they, it kind of builds a, a case. That's right. And they and steal the, the phone numbers. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Lieutenant oh, Governor. Yeah, I, I also, since we're talking about phone numbers and people are wondering where they can call if they think they're being scammed or if there is or they suspect some older person may be abused or neglected, there is the Elder Justice Hotline at the Attorney General's office, and that is 1-860-808-5555. And the great thing about the uh, Attorney General's office is they can help with either the financial fraud, or um, the Elderly Protective Services Unit is 1-888-385-4225 if you suspect that um, you, someone's being abused or neglected. And so you can call that number. Uh, you don't have to leave your name, but you can call to report suspected abuse um, which can happen at long-term care facilities or in situations where you have an older person who's in their home with a home care attendant. That's an excellent point because we have heard, I remember when former Senator Edith Frank was always interested in making sure that people who were providing home care services had a background check before they came into the home. But if you're getting them from someplace else, they may not have had gone through that process. So that is something that, you know, you want to have some type of a reference recommendation to make sure people who are coming in to take care of someone are, you know, who they say they are and they're they're doing the the job that they're supposed to be there for so it's uh, something that is really important when people do need some personal care that is absolutely right and um, you know there are cases where you have home care workers who may have ac- get access to an older person's financial information Uh, And so that's something to be on the lookout for. And that's why, you know, your uh, bank, if all of a sudden uh, there are large withdrawals being made and, you know, the owner of the account isn't making those, you know, it's important to have an ally at the bank to help to uh, prevent that. 
excellent point. And that's why I mentioned, uh, because many of the people who have the Aetna, uh, Aetna program right now and Aetna Healthcare for the Medicare program, which is the Medicare Part C or Medicare so-called Advantage program, uh, they have been hacked. So many people with Aetna Advantage program at this point in time have had their information stolen by a hacker. And so they have thousands and thousands of people's identification. And so it's something to think about if you are on Medicare, if you do have the Aetna program has your, uh, even is your uh, fee-for-service supplement or mm -hmm. has your Medicare Advantage supplement, this is something that you should make sure you take that information to your bank and to the places where you have your, uh, your individual retirement accounts uh, and make sure they're on the awares that in those circumstances you must actually uh, let them know, get a receipt from the bank from the places where you have have your IRAs and make sure that they know that you've reported this to them. Make sure you go on Experian and tell them that this is going to be a problem so nobody can take out any more uh, credit cards in your name. Uh, these are the things you have to watch out for. And it's paid for by Aetna now because they were hacked. They're at fault for the next two years. You have to do the registration before August, uh, the end of August of this year, 2023. And this is something that has to be done as soon as you get that notification. Make sure you cart that, that notification around to all the places is where you have money so that you uh, will be uh, taken care of and protected and they will take care of you up to the tune of about a million dollars if somebody rips off your money and one and speaking of protecting your identity and your uh, financial assets don't give people your social security number over the phone your birth date information that is personal to you, especially bank account information. There are so many scams that come either via phone or via email. Um, you know, you've won $2 million, but you've got to register and give your bank account. Like, no, 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 don't ever, don't ever do that. And that's, you know, a moment where if you have any questions, you can reach out to uh, the director of the senior center, uh, your investment advisor, or someone uh, with um, some expertise, don't, don't provide information over the phone about your Social Security um, or any of your bank accounts. Here's another example that uh, just happened just uh, to a friend of mine, and I actually got the same notification. Unfortunately, I had the bandwidth to know it was a spam, uh, a, a spammy, spoofy uh, way to rip somebody off. And it was somebody that's I have I have all you know iPhones and Apples and stuff like Apple uh, iMacs and stuff. And it said, Oh, oh, we saw that there's a problem with your uh, with your iMac. And I go, Oh, so they said, Call us at this number. So I looked at the number, and then I have the real Apple number on my cell phone to call when I have a problem with my internet or with operating my electronics. So I looked at the number. It wasn't the Apple number, let me just say. So, hey, I called Apple right away with my number on my cell phone that I have when I established my relationship, when I bought my iPhone, when I bought my iMacs, when I bought my iPad. I went ahead and I called them and I said, hey, help me with this. And they got rid of it in a minute. I mean, it was just, but Apple will do that, but 
make sure you, you have the number of the, of the uh, IMAX store, uh, not the number that they give you on the Internet. That's a great uh, comment, Susan, because so they, they, as we said earlier, these are very professional con men and women. But con, they create a con that they, they, they it's like a ladder. They get one phone call, they get your address. Next time we have your address, they become your friend. Then they get your age and your birthday. Then, they, then next thing, you know, over, over a period of time, they'll build up trust. That isn't worth isn't worth it, you know. That 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 you they don't deserve because they are going to rob you at the end of the day. So we all have to be so careful with our electronic devices and how we how we play and play well on the internet. So. Mm -hmm. And the other person unfortunately lost everything in the bank account because they gave the number and they used the number. And uh, so I fortunately didn't have very much in the bank, but they lost every cent. Well, and you can't recover it. No. So we just warned all the listeners out there to be so careful. And specifically elderly, you know, if you know someone this happens to, again, just reach out. And there's, there's no shame in asking. You know, no. asking for help. If you're confused, because, you know, computers are relatively new. We feel like they've been, during COVID, they kind of took control of our life. And now there's AI mm -hmm. coming up. But, you know, they're relatively new. Well, they're relatively well, the, new, but on the other hand, they're very, very complicated. And just setting up your streaming, okay, all right, I have, even I have trouble setting up streaming on my TV, really? So it's just every single thing that you do is complicated, and it gets more and more complex every day. I'm sorry, Lieutenant and, Governor, I cut and you off. And with the algorithms and by watching, um, you know, your computer activity um, and your telephone activity, you are targeted with ads, right? Yes. That speak to um, your interests, right? So you have to be really careful. Um, I think another really good point is um, be careful about uh, when you uh, buy things using your phone, right? Oh, yes. Um, it's, it's really important to have um, a secure connection, Um so just be really careful, like if you're staying at a hotel or you're in a public place and you're using your computer and you're putting in your credit card number, just just know that there are people who are watching in public places, right, for uh, people's credit card information and stealing their identity and creating fake uh, credit cards. So all kinds of stuff can happen and... The 15th of June is a good day, um, but we should think about it every day to be aware and to protect yourself, and especially your um, older relatives. Well, this is excellent information, but we're going to take a break from our sponsors at this point. So everybody stay on, stay on and listen. But we are here with our Lieutenant Governor, uh, Susan Beisowitz, who has been here in town uh, telling us about uh, Senior Abuse Awareness uh, uh, Day. And also we're here with our Mayor, Tom DeVivo, and we will be right back after these messages. Hey, welcome back, everyone. This is Susan Johnson, and I'm here with my co-host, Mayor Tom DeVivo, uh -huh. and also our very, very incredible special guest, 
Susan Bicewitz, our lieutenant governor, who has been wonderful bringing to our attention uh, this, this particular day, uh, yesterday actually, uh, the uh, uh, Senior Abuse uh, Day uh, internationally uh, recognized that seniors all over the world are abused and telling us all different ways that uh, we have available to us in our state government to make sure that if you have a question about a scam or any kind of problem that you've been uh, working on, uh, thinking that maybe this isn't just right, you can call these different uh, organizations, and I'm sure Lieutenant Governor has this posted on her website, and I'm going to take it and post it on my website. But if you have any problems, of course, you can call me at the Capitol, uh, Susan Johnson, or you can call Mayor DeVivo. So yes. we've got people you can call. Feel free to contact us because everybody's been victimized by this. It's not just seniors. Every Everybody has been, and it's a real problem. And we're spending money for telecommunications, and let me just say, they're using them, and we're not able to use them anymore because they've been overtaking everything. They're just, it's a swamp out there. But anyway, uh, I just want to thank the Lieutenant Governor so much. But we're going to just move on a little bit, and we're going to talk about early voting. And we have passed legislation this session, and uh, our Lieutenant Governor, former Secretary of the State, Susan Bicewitz, tell us all about it. Well, it's very exciting. Um, Connecticut uh, finally has early voting. I will tell you that the voters in, this, uh, in the 2022 election were asked if they wanted early voting, and the response was overwhelmingly yes, uh, because I think during COVID, people had the experience of being able to vote early using absentee ballots and putting their ballots in those white boxes or, or mailing them. And so uh, the legislation that was just passed uh, this session will allow 14 days of early voting for general elections, seven days of early voting for primaries, and four days of early voting for special elections and presidential preference primaries. Uh, and it will go into effect um, for elections that are held after January 1st, 2024. So it starts next year, and uh, that will mean each town will have to set up uh, a special polling place at least one, bigger towns or cities may have more than one, where people can go to vote in the two weeks before the election. So we've become now, uh, we've joined the other 46 states that have early voting. We were one of the, the later states to do it. But I think in Connecticut, people overwhelmingly wanted early voting. Didn't you hear that from your constituents? Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. We all Ab did. Go ahead. Yeah, everybody has been talking about it. Early voting is not getting up at 6 a.m. Early <laughs> voting is available to vote 14 days in advance. And I think the people, I think it's going to encourage more people to vote. Low voter turnout is, uh, right. is problematic. Even here in Wyndham, we're all politically active, but there's some people that just don't care and they just want to do it when it's, when it's convenient for them. So this makes it much more convenient. Well, also, and, I think... And you've got to be honest, right? A lot of people um, aren't able 
to take off time from work, either coming in a little late or leaving a little early to cast their vote, right? A lot of people have multiple jobs or jobs that take them out of town frequently. Um, Students aren't always, you know, around. And so it it just makes so much more sense given um, the many roles people play, right? Exactly. And as you said, Lieutenant Governor, it is uh, important because we have uh, so many people who are in kind of the jig workforce, right? So you might not even know that you're going to be out of town. So if you have that chance a few days in advance to uh, vote, then, uh, you know, these kind of uh, these kinds of opportunities to vote early because you might be able to uh, not be able to be in town and you might have something scheduled, you might not. So the the gig economy uh, is kind of like the the, the, yeah. the some of the problems that people have these days with voting. It, back in the day, people worked in town, they lived in town, they didn't leave town much for for you know working and uh, and living. And now today, everybody's all over the place. That's so. right. And I think um, the other thing that we should let people know: we also passed a bill. So you're going to see a constitutional question on the ballot next year to allow for no-excuse absentee ballot voting because I think people really liked, during COVID, being able to vote by absentee ballot because they just felt safer. Um, And uh, so we'll have the opportunity to do that, and I think a lot of people will choose. Some people might like to go to a polling place you know, say 12 days before the election. Um, Other people may just want to fill out the ballot and put it in the white box or put it in the mail. That's right. That's a very excellent point. And I think that what happens with that, I mean, we did have, uh, we were within, well, within the framework of the Constitution uh, during COVID uh, because people were concerned about their health issues. So the, 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 the problem uh, people faced if they had uh, multiple medical conditions, if they had any concern or fear about getting COVID, uh, that they would be able to say, hey, I, I have these health concerns, which is constitutionally accepted. So, but now we can fix the Constitution so that uh, you'd, you don't have to be have the concern about health. You could have any type of issue uh, with respect to uh, no-excuse absentee ballots. Just uh, That's right. I, go ahead, May. I just have a question on this. If they have, uh, when you say it's 14 days, it's not 24 hours a day, is it? You can't, the polls won't be open 24 hours a day, 14 no, days. No, no. Okay. Um, and that, that's right. Yeah, um, so it'll be during business hours. Um, but the idea is with the 14 days, there will even be voting on the weekends. And that's the point. Yes, right. That's so, great. Because a lot of people are, you know, working crazy hours during the week. So the idea is to give people more flexibility because I think the more time you give to people to vote, I think uh, the more uh, flexibility you give them, the better participation you're going to have. And I think mail-in uh, voting or this universal absentee ballot Um, question that will be on the ballot um, next year. So do look for it when you go to vote Um, next November, I think also gives people another opportunity to vote in 
whatever way uh, makes them feel safer, is more convenient, fits them better with their schedule. That's excellent. And, and the other thing is, is now we have the constitutional amendment passed and we have some of the statutory provisions included. I think that there might be some more uh, analysis done in terms of uh, re revisions on some of the statutes to make sure we're, we're doing uh, everything we can to make sure we have access available to people. Right. And just I want to point out that if you our voting's absentee. The white box is in front of town hall in the doorway off of High Street on the right-hand side. It's a very safe way to vote. Uh, it really is. The, the town clerk will check it every day, and then the registered voters will look. So I think that this is an excellent thing. Those white boxes are like mailboxes. They've, they've been very uh, helpful and uh, to getting people out to vote. They have been. It's great. It's a great safe spot. You just drop your, your ballot off in the, in the white box in the town hall entrance, and it's uh, perfect. And it can be done. It's secure. It's just like a mailbox. So it's got that same kind of security. It's a wonderful, wonderful way to proceed. And uh, I'm very excited about expanding opportunities for people so that they can participate and have their voices heard, because it's all about your voice, and we want to know what you think and we want to hear from everybody. So this is. A and I always think, to me, uh, all civil rights are important, but I think voting is the most precious civil right because it's the way you protect all of our other rights, right? It, yes, yeah, exactly. It is very well said. You know, it's it's an opportunity. I was once told it's an opportunity to overthrow the government. <laughs> Go to the vote. <laughs> no, yeah, if you. And here's the thing, and I just went. Yesterday, um, June 14th, was Flag Day. Mm -hmm. So yeah. on Flag Day, I had the opportunity to attend a naturalization ceremony in Mystic. And there were people from 40 different countries who were becoming new citizens. They had taken their citizenship test. They had been vetted, uh, and they were uh, taking the oath to become new citizens. And... Um, you think about why people come from all over the world to our country, and it's because there are very few countries that allow you to choose your leaders by voting. That's it's right. such a precious right, and I was just feeling red, white, and blue all over as I <laughs> looked at this very diverse group of people who had come from all over the world to uh, become American citizens and to choose Connecticut uh, as their home. And then immediately after uh, the ceremony, they all went to register to vote. And wow. Always, wow. It's a very um, cool thing to witness people becoming voters in their in their new country, and many came from countries where you don't have that opportunity. Wow. That's wow. So, it's a good reminder that we are very, very blessed to have been uh, here as citizens in this country, in this state, and uh, we're here to protect uh, democracy and people's freedoms uh, everywhere, whether it's women's rights, your voting rights, uh, your civil rights, uh, access to education. We're here to make sure these kinds of things are provided to everybody in the state of Connecticut. Speaking of which, I know that our lieutenant governor uh, had a big hand, and uh, our mayor and uh, Senator Flexer and I all worked very hard to get a good bipartisan budget together. It's going to help our communities all throughout the state. You want to tell us a little bit about your perspective, lieutenant governor? 
Well, uh, I think the thing that strikes me, and you just alluded to it, was how bipartisan it was. In my role as lieutenant governor, I preside over the state senate, and having 35 of 36 state senators vote for the budget is unprecedented. And I know in the House there was a similar vote, right? That's right. And so we are saying I rarely ever saw such a bipartisan vote as I did this time. And it just goes to show you that we are really working together. Things get done when we work together, and we are doing things for everybody, and we're spreading it through every single aspect of the community. And I have to say I'm very thrilled with a lot of things that I was able to work with the uh, executive branch on. One of the things that I'm very, very proud of is the fact that we're finally able to get some recognition for the women and children, uh, especially the children under the Temporary Assistance for Needy Families. And we have been working with the Commissioner of Department of Social Services, who has been actually uh, making sure that we are no longer the second worst program in the country. And we're going to make sure we keep uh, women and children out of homeless shelters with this new program. And I have to say there was a lot that helped families. First of all, there was, and this is why there was such bipartisan support for our budget, we had um, the biggest income tax cut in, in over the past 30 years, right? The first time the income tax has been cut. Um, and so that's why you had people from both parties supporting the budget also uh, Connecticut expanded the earned income tax credit for families um, so that the earned income tax credit for families is bigger in Connecticut than it is at the federal level. Um, and then, of course, and maybe the mayor can talk about this, there was uh, very good support to the municipalities for um, education and pilot funding and uh, funding to support municipal needs. So, Mayor, you want to talk about how you, you know, Wyndham fared? Thank you. That with uh, that leadership in Hartford, we have brought home record record amounts of money for our schools. Uh, you can see the, you know, this, this has happened over the past two or three years, and uh, you can see improvements in our schools already. Where you know we have continuity in teaching staff and continuity in leadership. When you don't have funding, you always have turnover, and Wyndham has suffered from lack of funding. And thank you all of all of you, Sue, May, and Lieutenant Governor, for all your work to keep Wyndham whole, because we we are a complicated uh, municipality with uh, basically uh, we have a town with a mill rate, we have a taxing district with a mill rate, and we have two taxing districts with mill rates, and they kind of get combined depending where you live. So the more money we get from the state, the lower the property taxes for the homeowner. And it really, it, it's just a blessing to have that money come in. Mm -hmm. And we've had, I think, um, and this is where leadership comes in, we've had a great collaboration, Governor Lamont, and I uh, have worked very well with you, Mayor, but also with the legislative delegation. And, you know, if you want, all you have to do is look down Main Street to see what has come to uh, Wyndham. It's changed the face of your downtown because we helped with the building of the parking garage. 
Um, there is new housing that is being built on Main Street that uh, the state of Connecticut has invested in, and also we built a new senior center. Um, we've um, done some uh, investment for the park improvements, right? What is the name yeah. of the park? Oh, May yes. Remind me. Whitewater Park. Whitewater yeah, I'm Park. I'm very thankful. Park. We still haven't gotten out there to do the celebration for the Whitewater Park, and I do want to do that because it is an excellent, uh, excellent thing to uh, celebrate and so appreciate also the dispatch uh, funding for Dispatch Center. So we are now connected to the entire state, which was much more, creates a much more safe uh, Connecticut safe Wyndham area, uh, which has been absolutely fabulous. And so I do want to say that uh, this has been something that uh, when you look at the payment in lieu of taxes, when Tom was, uh, Mayor DeVille was talking about uh, us being very unusual. We are a very unusual place here. We have a hospital, a university. We have a Votech school. We have a community college. We have more public housing on a per capita basis than anywhere else in the state of Connecticut, except for Hartford. And we have numerous nonprofit uh, uh, group homes, numerous nonprofit organizations that don't pay any tax here with a population of 25,000 people. So being able to make sure that we have that three-tiered payment in lieu of taxes system is great. Making sure that we have the car tax uh, to help subsidize uh, the fact that we have almost a, what is it, 47 mil rate in the Willimantic Service District and uh, something like a 37 mil rate in the villages because we have to pay police and fire in the Willimantic Service District, which is one of the poorest places in the entire state. And so uh, with the least amount of access to resources because most of the places here aren't taxable. So it's really quite an unusual place, but everybody here is here ready to help everybody else. We've got three homeless shelters, and we're going to be working really hard to make sure that we get people housed. And uh, so it's been great to have uh, have the executive branch work with us and to also be able to work with the local uh, elected officials and staff people. I, you know, I'd like to chip in. I'd like to thank the executive staff executive branch and the representative branch, but for the work they've done with our school districts. The money is helping so much. It's keeping families here. The work we're doing at the high school just couldn't happen. Right. Other projects that we needed, we had a school that needed new wells. We got funding for wells. This has all been wonderful, and thank you for all your work on it. And you can't see how what that's doing to change the face of our community. Well, it takes a team, and we got Lieutenant Governor Bisowitz here. We got we got the Governor Lamont, and we got the people. We're all working with together, and we're just thrilled to be able to continue working hard on those jobs. Absolutely, and uh, Mayor, are you going to take the opportunity to remind people about the? Parade. Oh, um, well, of course. Box I wouldn't parade. miss that opportunity to talk about the Boombox Parade. It's coming up uh, with Wayne Norman will be leading it, but then, of course, to come follow that comes the Cupids. And we're very excited mm -hmm. to have it's a Tuesday this year and at 11 o'clock, the Boombox Parade. Lieutenant Governor, if you can find a radio, I'm sure you can get a, a portable radio. You might have one in your house somewhere. Find your husband's, <laughs> dust it off, and if it takes like 
9 to 12D batteries, you know, it's the right kind of radio. But oh, bring, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'll just, you know, maybe I need like I'll a little wagon to, to cart it yes. down Main Street. <laughs> they, are, they do get heavy by the time you get down to Town Hall, but... I have a little pocket one and I blast it, you know. (laughs) Well, it's great to bring your radio. We'd love to have have you can make it if possible. You're always 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 welcome. Gov and I had a blast last year at the parade. We went to the Columbia Fourth of July parade first, and then we walked in the boombox parade. And I tell you. There are some colorful characters that march in the parade. Of course, chief among them is Wayne Norman, right? Yes, right. of um, course. But so it just so much fun, and people come from literally all over eastern Connecticut for it. So we always look forward to it. Well, we're thrilled that you do, and we're so happy that you're we're here this week, and we look forward to having you back as soon as possible, Lieutenant Governor. Thank you so much for doing. Let's talk about it with us. And uh, absolutely, you are wonderful to work with. We really appreciate you. And uh, listen again next week for Let's Talk About It. This is Susan Johnson with Tom DeVivo. Thank you, and Susan. thank you so much, Lieutenant Governor Bysowitz, for being with us. Thanks for having me. No, thank you very much. Bye bye.